0: Welcome to a very special episode of the Startup Diaries, uh, powered by Bern Sheehan, a leading technology recruitment business within the UK. Why is this a a special episode? Well, we were invited recently to partner with Queen Mary University to record two live episodes in front of their students, and 110 students turned up. Uh, In today's First episode, we have Will Smith of TREAD, who is uh, one of the co-founders there. He took time out of his day to come down to London from Leeds uh, to speak to the students of Queen Mary University about his journey in building TREAD and also answered a lot of their questions around how to become an entrepreneur. So real shout out to Will uh, for joining us on this episode and coming all the way down to London. And also a thank to you and shout out to Lydia and Emma of Queen Mary for being such awesome hosts and inviting us along to present our podcast. In this episode, Will talks us through how he got started building the banking platform of Tread. He also talks about why Tread is a game changer in the banking world. He then dives into how TRED advises their customers on the impact and carbon output they're producing. And finally, the advice and steps that they provide to their customers about being carbon neutral. Just as a quick heads up on this episode, it was recorded live, as we mentioned before, so there may be some background noises, in particular, the tube. I hope you enjoy it. Well, hello and welcome to The Startup Diaries, a special episode of The Startup Diaries. It's actually live from Queen Mary University, so thanks for having us. Um, in today's episode, we have Will Smith, not to be confused with uh, another Will Smith, who is the uh, <laughs> co-founder of Tread. Um, welcome, Will. Thanks for coming down to London uh, to yeah. do this today. Thank, thanks very much for having me. <laughs> do you want to dive in and tell us a bit about yourself and, and ultimately Tread as well?
1: Yeah, cool. So, um so yes, yeah, so I'm Will, one of the two co-founders of Tread. Um, we're a leads based company. Um, what do we actually do as Tread? So um, how you manage your money has a, a massive impact on climate change, whether it is through the things you buy or where your money's kept. And if you, if you think about it, there isn't a household name in the like the banking world that helps you do both of those two things. So that's why Tread's been born. Um, so what do we actually do? There are kind of two unique things to what we do. So the first is that Um, just by moving your money to us you're kind of doing a bit of good for the planet because we invest in tree planting not in fossil fuels that's the first thing the second thing is that more and more people are wanting to live greener lives Um, what does that look like and how do we we support that so we help people um, track their impact on the planet so if I asked people in the room or people listening to the podcast what their impact on the planet is what's causing that I'm not sure anyone would have an idea or might have a rough idea No. So so we help people track the impact. What we then do is help people reduce that. So we've, I think, we've got seventy plus brand partnerships now. So whether people are um, shopping for mobile phones, they're doing um, groceries, etc., clothes, we help provide greener vendors for people to shop at. Um, and then the last one is we also then help um, people offset their emissions as well. So we work with verified projects across across the globe to um, offset and make sure people are carbon neutral. So think of it, the easiest way to explain it is a, like a green Monzo or Starling with a Fitbit for climate change kind of smashed into, into one.
0: Do you want to tell us about where the business originated from? Because I believe it took about, there was an idea possibly in a pub over a pint, <laughs> uh, which is surprising a lot of the businesses that come on the podcast start in pubs over a pint. Um, and then it sort of took a six-a-month period before it became Tread, really.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> creativity comes through, yes. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so to be fair, that's that's where we um, sat down with my other co-founder and said, right, I think this is the idea, Let, let's kind of go for it. Um, the first six months were very different, so like where, where we are now and the explanation i have just given, very different from where we started out, and and I think that's probably the, the narrative that most um, startup founders go through. They start with something, and then over time it gets bigger or kind of grows in ambition as as time goes on so we started our early days was it actually was in Glasgow so I was in a restaurant and my drink came with a little plastic straw in it tiny little thing and it was just at the time when the whole plastic straw ban was getting a bit of traction and just before it happened and we had the conversation of well what's you know why have you got a straw it's bad for the planet all that good stuff that morning they'd flown from London to Glasgow to to um, be at the office and so it was a question of well what is worse for the planet? Is it that plastic straw? Is it the flight? And that obviously then spiralled into a whole debate. We then realised quite quickly that we, we didn't know what was worse and we didn't, we didn't know and so we then started questioning well if we don't know how does everyone know? It's this huge problem that Everyone has to reduce their emissions or sort of help reduce their impact on the planet. How do you go about doing that? That then obviously then spiraled into, again, lots of people, if they're thinking of starting businesses, it's how do you validate that? So we then started asking friends, family, like, do you know your impact? Do you, do you think you should? Mm-hmm. And the answer was overwhelmingly, I don't know, and I think I probably should. A bit A bit like calories on food. It's really difficult to know what you should and shouldn't eat if you don't know where your calories are coming from. It should be the same thing with with climate. And so that then spiralled into, um, developed a really, really shoddy Excel. So I showed it to a few people. We ingested like bank statements. I took mine. Um, And then from that, we then kind of scaled up. So it went from bank statements to connect your existing cards, had some really good feedback from that, connecting cards to why can't you provide your own debit card, Went from that to why can't you do all these other services, and then it's kind of snowballed, snowballed since then, which is daunting, <laughs> but but really exciting. As in, more and more people are wanting greener products in the financial world, and and they just don't really exist for the consumer. So yeah, yeah we thought great idea.
0: I, I've got to ask though, you obviously you've gone from this situation in Glasgow talking about you know the straw impact or the flight impact, and you've gone to then right, we're going to build a bank. <laughs> right, how <laughs> do you how do you start to build a bank
1: yeah it's an, it's an illog- illogical jump isn't it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, so we early days so at the time neither me and Pete have ever, we haven't worked in finance ever mm-hmm. um, but what we did do we were working as consultants at the time which is, is kind of like you go into any business whether it is a supermarket whether it is a manufacturing plant whether it is a call centre whatever it is um, and you quickly can understand right well here are the problems or this is what we need to do mm. So that was kind of the foundation of, kind of a, a bit about my history. From then, we then just basically asked and rang up people. We literally Googled debit card program and kind of went on the first 20 websites we found, rang up every single salesperson that we knew. Quickly, you pick up the right lingo, what you should be asking, and, and from, from that, you then obviously kind of know what to ask, know where to prod. And then from that, it's kind of scaled up. We learned a bit more, started speaking to the right people, Asking for connections, et cetera. and then from there, it's it's kind of snowballed into where, where we are now, <laughs> where we are now, which is quite yeah, yeah. it's exciting though.
0: Could you, could you tell us a bit because when we we're putting this together, I think it was quite a an interesting first twelve months that you had onboarding. Obviously, the bit get, getting the business going, onboarding a co-founder. Can you tell us a bit about you know how you got that got the ball rolling really?
1: Yeah, so I, I think I've already mentioned. So early days, it was proved that it was something that people wanted. And so the, the assumption for us was, well, there's the banking side of things. So we kind of used the assumption that Monzo, Starling, Revolut are really popular. So we don't need to prove that people will um, use a you know digital bank. That, that we, we kind of made the assumption that that had already been proven. The thing that we then went to do was, well, do people want to know and understand and try and improve their impact on, on the planet? So what we then did was we built our sort of like MVP. So we... Um, Worked with some developers to say, right, well, how do you link your existing cards? Um, And to be fair, we worked on that. We didn't quit our jobs. It wasn't a, you know, kind of drop out from university moment. We were working full time. So this was in evenings, in weekends, like just every time that we weren't doing our full time job, we'd be working on this. And we then basically started getting a bit more traction behind it. Um, and that's how kind of uh, just before that we'd got on board the co-founder which to be fair I, I don't regret for a second mm-hmm. um, we came up with the, the, the idea for it um, and then sort of sat down in the pub in, in the Lake District in a little place called um, in Olverston in the Lake. yeah, like yeah. It's, oh, it's, a beu- it's a beautiful <laughs> it place yeah um, and so we sat down in a pub and, you know, a few pints later, we said, right, yeah. And we got really G'd up because, yeah, we'd had a few pints. <laughs> um, and anyway, so then we started in earnest. Literally, the next morning, we registered the company. Um, and then it was all, you know, what should we call it? You know, what's the email address is? All that really basic stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, it's kind of evolved. So we did that first prototype. Um, we had our first, to be honest with you, it was family and friends. We just asked 50 of our mates to, to kind of get the product see what they liked, see what they didn't. Um, and then from that, we kind of iterated, formed a good idea of what people wanted, um, wrote that down, kind of asked for, asked for feedback, asked for a lot of people, asked for a lot of connections, tried to get some more friends un- involved. Honestly, it was just a lot of pestering, like parents and <laughs> friends and all that good stuff. Um, and then from that, we then kind of scaled up to where, where we are now. Um, and the first 12 months were kind of pivotal. I mean, mm. the business model changed quite dramatically from just connecting existing debit cards to actually why don't we provide a, a, a kind of green banking platform
0: one of the things was picking up on what you said was you didn't regret bringing on a co-founder was is it been what's the impact of having someone I guess alongside you what's that been
1: <clears throat> it's quite it can be quite a difficult journey mm-hmm. so um, there are loads of things that you'll celebrate and like, I, I remember we, we did our first funding round two years ago now and and it was to be fair it was amazing we, went, we did a crowdfunding round and we had you know just everyday people putting in 10, 20, 30, 40 quids um, and we ended up getting a thousand people investing and the, it was the first 90 minutes we kind of oversubscribed to where we wanted to be and that was an awesome feeling you know we would had random people that have never met me never met Pete um, we had a terrible video that you can find on the internet no. with, but please don't <laughs> um, which is very embarrassing now you look at it um, but yeah, from that, you know, we, we were kind of overwhelmed with, with the support of it, which was like, it was awesome to see. Um, that's like the highs, there are then the lows of that. So literally the next day, I've, I remember I got, we got a phone call from a friend he who's, hey, you know, well done, that's awesome, you must be over the moon. And but me and people like, well, we're really nervous now because we now need to build it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's quite easy to put a, a sales pack together, but then it's like, right, we, we've actually got to do this. We've yeah. got real people's money and they're entrusting us to build something with it. Um, and we knew the idea was good, but then it was the, the nerve-wracking point. Yeah. And, and over time, as well, there's, there's a whole host of things. There's always knocks on the road that you just don't, you can never ever foresee that you know there's a risk somewhere over in a way away that you don't really think about, and then suddenly it'll just bam hit you straight. And then having someone, whether it's some trusted advisor or just someone to, to like bounce ideas across, okay. um, and that's and that's been invaluable. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, either have someone trusted or just someone to bounce ideas across is, is super helpful.
0: Perfect. And then I'd what, what, love to dive into the Tread products themselves. Why why do you believe that they're game
1: changers? Tread products. So I, I love the fact it's a great one. So the average person in the in the UK has £5,500 sat in a current account or a savings account. What the banks don't tell you is that they use that money to invest in, you know, products, services, whatever it is, like any kind of business loan. It's like yours and the people listening to the podcast's mm-hmm. money they invest in fossil fuels heavily and so the hidden cost of savings so some high street banks are better than others but it can have the same emissions as seven return flights between London and Rome Right. so if, if you actually think about that like I would much rather have my money with a greener banking platform and fly once to London and Rome and you know, so it's the, the hidden cost of savings is huge and so just by moving your money um, sort of subtle plug um <laughs> We kind of reduce that because again we don't we don't invest in the fossil fuels um, we never will we We actually plant a lot of trees on the side of Ingleborough, which is in the New Yorkshire dales right. so like that that's one side of it, so making sure that actually your money's in a better place um, so that's that's in itself one game changing thing. The second is that as I kind of said at the beginning, everything you buy does have an impact you know clothes groceries um and so for me. I now know my carbon footprint. I know what it's made up of. I know what I should be doing to reduce it. Um, th- and there's all the big things that you probably all know. Like If you read the BBC News, it's install a heat pump. It's install solar panels. It's buy an electric car. I personally, I don't know everyone else, I personally can't afford an electric car. I can't, I can't afford solar panels. I can't afford a heat pump. And so knowing what to do is actually really difficult. And every single person lives a different life with a different lifestyle and, and all of that Um, it should be more personal in terms of um, the environment side of things so that's kind of why tread's been been born and so every single person in this room and every single person listening we can say hey this is your biggest emitter here's some recommendations for you this is what you should be doing and that kind of stuff so Mm. um, i think at the moment we've got a reduction in co2 of like 4.2 percent which kind of putting that into context like the whole airline industry emits about nine percent of the u k emissions, so right. kind of like it 's like, like eradicating half of flights from, from the skies, right. which again it has the potential to be huge yeah. um, but we 've now got to go from you know thousands of people to hundreds of thousands to millions which which again is a bit a big challenge, and it always will be
0: yeah interestingly, you mentioned <laughs> solar panels i 'm actually in a legal battle at the moment about <laughs> getting solar panels on my roof because i uh, 'm in a leasehold from my yeah. house um, so outside of that, what are the biggest from the data you 've seen? What sort of impactful things can people in this room, consumers, listeners to podcasts, what can they do to reduce their carbon out?
1: Yeah, so um, the things we try and focus on are, there's a load of things that happen very frequently that have big emissions. that I think probably most people kind of know, like if you fly to Australia, you kind of know it's got a big impact and and you know that, but you don't do it very often. The thing that we're trying to educate people on or like give visibility on is, it's the little things that you do every single day. So is it the coffees? Is it the, um, you know, the, the transport you get every day? Um, for me, being being open, my biggest emitter last month was travel. Right. Um, I live in rural Yorkshire, up in Leeds, the right side of the Pennines, not, not in Manchester. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sure. Um, and so from that, um, I, I know that I need to take the train more, and so yeah. I get the train to work every single day, yeah. um, and little things like that. So the big big ones for us, most of our users, travel is the biggest emitter, and eating out are the, the two big ones. Right. Um, so it's like, how can you change your transport from either cars to buses and trains, buses and trains to cycling or walking, and, mm-hmm. and kind of go that direction? Um, the other ones are food and eating out. Right. So <clears throat> when you go to a restaurant, it's ordering not the fillet steak, it's ordering the you know vegetarian meals or even just chicken. And, you know, just <clears throat> changing better better meat choices.
0: So when you, I, I guess it can be quite overwhelming <clears throat> the, the information and the data that you could feed to your customers. How do you? project that to them do you keep it in a positive light you know the impact they're making or do you yeah. give it like mm-hmm. a this is how much you've actually done how much carbon's been released because of you like how, how do you actually it's put so, that out it's there
1: so honestly it's so so difficult yeah. we're treading see so what i did there yeah. um, <laughs> yeah. a uh, like a fine line between <clears throat> we have to be educational and we have to be right so yeah. like this is someone's emissions but if you read the news it, it can be quite doomy gloomy you know the um you know, the ice caps are melting, yep. kind of there's forest fires everywhere. And, and, it, and it is quite negative. And to be fair, the climate destruction side of things kind of has to hit home a bit. Um What we're trying to do, and it's one of our internal values, is like we're trying to create a positive movement. <clears throat> so making sure that it's not, hey, you're really bad. You should do these things differently. It's more, um and the thing that we're building at the moment is <clears throat> so we can tell if you've shopped somewhere, we can shop. If, we can tell if it's a, a greener vendor or if you're a vegetarian, we can tell that you've not shopped and eaten meat. Um, from that, we can then start rewarding people. So it doesn't feel like, oh, you've emitted X many kilos of CO2. It's like you've saved this by doing something good. Yeah. And, and I think that's the real change for us over the next six months is going from as opposed to saying, yeah, this, these are your emissions. It's here are the five things you can do. This is the impact it will have. Mm-hmm. And therefore, when you go and do it, it then tells you, and then you can kind of get rewarded for it, yeah. and that, and that then flips it from a negative of you've done this to you've helped that. Um, but it is it is really difficult. It's like this educational balance because if we told everyone, oh, you're you're not really good at this or whatever, I don't want to use this app, and they'll just they'll yeah. just won't use it again. Yeah. Um, and so it's, we're doing a lot of work on how do we frame it as positively as possible. Perfect. Um,
0: um, one of the things I'd like to dive in, because I know you're B Corp, or you're working towards B Corp, if that's, if that's correct. Yes. Um, yep. Tell us a bit about that and the process to making changes to make sure that you are B Corp certified.
1: Do people know what B Corp is? Should I give a, some nods? nods uh, just in <coughs> case yeah. listeners don't know. So B Corp is a um, certification that you can go through that says, this business is doing good things. And it's and it's a standard and it works across um, environmental, social, governance, um, and so to make sure that when a business makes a claim that they're doing something good, they've kind of validated it through B Corp. And I think the UK has one of the highest densities of B Corp businesses in the UK. sorry, in the world, not in the UK. Obviously, it's in the UK. Um, What that means is that the way you do it is you go through a questionnaire. So it looks at every part of your business um, and says. Are they doing the right thing by, you know, their customers, by the environment, by uh, their employees is a big section as well. Mm-hmm. And so you basically go through and there's um, a, a series of points you get. So there's a questionnaire, um, and certain points are worth sorry, certain questions are worth certain points. And from that, as long as you've tallied to I think it's above eighty or eighty five at the end, right. um, you can then become a, a, a B Corp. Once you've submitted the questionnaire, you then have a review so they audit the fact that you've answered the questions correctly and you haven't just ticked all of the right <laughs> answers. Um, so yeah, so we, we went through it and I, you know, we're proud to be one of the, um, one of the only B Corp um, FinTechs in the country. Right. Um, and we're also the only FinTech in Europe to be B Corp. And 1% for the planet is a slightly different one, which is you pledge to give at least 1% of your revenue to um, good causes, social or environmental, so we do environmental. Um, process was really fun though I mean like early we did it early days which I, I think changing a big business and all of the policies would take forever and it's a re- it would be really difficult because it was me Pete and I think three others it was quite quite easy to you know what's our you know what's our parental leave policy right well okay we haven't set one up so we should you know we're, and, and, that, and to be fair it, it, for us it formed a really good foundation so everything that we hadn't thought of we could then start like actually implementing stuff but from the off in the right way, rather mm. than trying to change stuff further down the line. Yeah. But yeah, we had to think a load of stuff that, that we hadn't. Really <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, one of the questions um, is who do you bank with? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, which again is, um, and there are there is only one bank in the UK that we could have we could have opened with, but they aren't accepting any more customers. So uh, okay. um, yeah, there's a whole section on banking. It's like, right, well that's a good opportunity for trade as well. but yeah. actually, if you're trying to fill it in, and why can't we provide those services to, to businesses as well?
0: Yeah. I'm going to put you in spot a little bit here, but what's the vision <laughs> for them for Tred?
1: The vision uh, we were just talking about <laughs> vision and mission statements before. So, so our, so our vision is is to make money work for both people and the planet. So, traditionally, money has always been about people. It's about returns. It's about making sure that you know your your investors or whatever you've done is is kind of getting the best for the for the individual, but not necessarily thinking about what what impact that has. Um, so, whether it is you know, mining, it's oil, it's whatever it is. Um, we're trying to change that. So the whole thing is around whether it is, <clears throat> and, and again, so like w- where we're going in the direction is, you know, why can't we provide you know, bank accounts? Why can't we do savings accounts? Why can't we do an investment platform? You know, there's just so many things that as an individual you do with money mm-hmm. that it should be greener, but it isn't. And so that's the, the whole thing for TRED is to make money work for people on the planet. Also, doesn't stick to just consumers. So um, we're, we're starting at the moment to think about, right, well, what does that look like for businesses? Because, you know, every single business should have a responsibility to kind of turn greener. So yeah. are the same tech for carbon tracking, for all that stuff, can apply directly to businesses instantly. Mm-hmm. So every business, if they get a tread account, could instantly tell their carbon footprint what they should be doing about it, how do you offset it, net zero planning. So we're trying to make sure that... I mean, trying to make sure we don't bite off too much before, you know, still whole walk before you can run type thing. Um, But yeah, so the whole thing, yeah, making money work for people on the planet.
0: Perfect. Last two questions (laughs) we always ask then, just diving in. Uh, What's the biggest challenge that you've had in your career then to date, other than building a bank from scratch?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I must say, um, the marketing tool, we are a banking platform, not a bank. (laughs) Apologies, apologies. Um, Uh, Two big challenges, I I was trying to think of this on the way down, so... Uh, one is related to Tread and one's not just kind of so I think the hardest thing with Tread was getting people early days to believe in it Mm -hmm. Um, it's quite quite an abstract concept and there was a lot of I don't think it will work for this reason or I don't think it will work for that reason or I don't think it's a very good idea why can't someone else do it you shouldn't do this you you know and there was a lot of negativity um, which again having a co-founder you know when I was down he was up when he was down i was kind of up and, and that really helped um because it is quite a, uh, you know you get a lot of no's i think we spoke to 400 people and right. i think 390 of them said no right. <clears throat> and so you, it's just a barrage of i'm not investing in this or you know i'm not going to join you or whatever it is um and so i think getting people early days to believe in what you're doing is, is so difficult mm-hmm. and, and you're trying to persuade and we i remember every time we spoke to someone we were like that was terrible and the reaction of them you could see it on the face cause it was it was in the middle of covid, and so the reaction on a face you can just see it on zoom, and it was just like a, i don 't get this okay. and, then, and then we we 'd finish and we 'd go, "Why was that so bad?" and so we'd then quickly iterate um what what we were saying, what words turned them off, and then from that we 've then kind of iterated a lot over the over the past. Two years, our early pitch is very different to the one, one we have now. Right. I looked at our old pitch deck the other day, from like from three years ago, and not only did it look terrible from a design perspective, but it just said the it's just very different how we pitch the business now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I think getting getting people bought in early days was really difficult. Um, and then the other one was I tried to think of something slightly different. I think the hardest one of the hardest things was getting a job, and <laughs> that sounds really stupid, but. We left, so I left uni in, what would be, 2011, and I was, I, I just, trying to just get on the career ladder was mm. a real struggle for me. I did all sorts of stuff, um, applying for lots of different things, um, and hence why I'd start my own company, because you can't not be employed by yourself. True. <laughs> yeah. Um, well. uh, but yeah, I, I think that's a that's a struggle, you know, out of uni, I did, I studied engineering, so I thought I'd just kind of jump in somewhere, mm. um, so yeah, I just got don't know what it was, but I think that was a real struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, did lots of work on it and eventually I landed landed on my feet. So I worked for a, for a consulting firm, but it took me about a year and a half to get that. Right. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, that was probably the biggest one.
0: Um, and the last bit of, bit of advice that we always ask for obviously, we're in a potential room here of uh, business students, entrepreneurial students, and potential people mm-hmm. who are listening as well who are thinking about starting their own business. But what bit of advice would you give to anyone who's thinking of going it alone or going running their own company?
1: Give it a go. <laughs> well, like, everyone, if... And this is going to be something really stupid, because if you think it's a good idea, uh, someone somewhere will probably think it's a good idea as well. And if there's two people, there's probably ten. Because the world's massive. You know, There's seven, what is it, seven, eight billion people on the planet. Yeah. So the odds of you being the only person that thinks it's a good idea, whether well, you're crazy or, or there is someone out there. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd say g- give it a go. Um, and then also just... I think early days for us, we were very um, closed off about our idea because we were like, this is amazing. We're not going to tell anyone what we're doing. We're going to be really shady and just sort of go, oh, we're doing this thing in the banking space. And they're like, well, what is it? And we were like, well, we're not going to tell you because they'll steal it. And and I think that was quite a naive, I think that was a really naive (laughs) mindset of speak to as many people as possible, give it a go. And then the other piece of advice I'd give would be Every time you speak to someone, like everyone in this room and everyone listening will have an amazing network. they just don 't realize it. yeah, so when you finish a call with someone, I think the thing we learned early days was ask them who they know that they think would be either interested in talking, might help build the product and I think that was that really helped us from an investment point of view specifically, because you know you speak to someone hey it's not for you, but do you know three people that would be interested in this <clears throat> and so quickly you go from one contact to three three to nine nine to and it kind of multiplies out quickly mm-hmm. um so yeah give it give it a go um push through and yeah connect with people
0: perfect well look that's where we'll wrap mm-hmm. up the recording but thanks for joining us well thanks for awesome. coming down from leeds as well yeah um and and yeah sitting in front of a room full of people telling your story so appreciate it thanks awesome. a lot thanks so much Cheers for that.